2: 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.
1: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hey and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant and Noel is with us again, which means it's stuff You should know. Sounds like you fell off the cliff. I, I did. <laughs> that would have been good for the cliff diving episode. Remember that one?
2: Oh man. That was interesting.
0: Uh, you have parents, Chuck. I do. Who were both educators. Yeah. Right? Sure. Um, dad principal, mom teacher. Yep. And, uh, I was wondering while I was researching this, because we're talking about homeschool today. I wasn't homeschooled. You weren't homeschooled. No. In a way, you were homeschooled. Because I went you're... to my dad's school. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I wondered like, if you were raised with any kind of opinions one way or another on homeschooling because of both your parents' professions.
2: No, not at all. Because when I was in school uh, and when you were in school, it wasn't super popular. Uh, well, it
0: may have been illegal. For, for in a lot of places,
2: yeah, uh, I guess that's a good point to bring up. Um, schooling, education, history, one on one. It started compulsory school attendance started in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Oh yeah, in 1852, and by 1918, um, Mississippi, <laughs> of course, was the last state to to. I'm so sorry, Mississippi. It was the last state to to um, demand uh, compulsory attendance by law. Yeah uh and then for many years it was that way like you had to go to school between up in, till like what the was it the 70s uh that was
0: when i think the movement really started but i yeah. think possibly into the 90s like there were states where you had to go to school
2: yeah and we should point out upfront that every state is different when it comes to laws about homeschooling mm-hmm. so this is a super high view um we would have to do fifty podcasts to really get into the nitty-gritty of of the the finer points of homeschooling in each state.
0: For sure. So yeah, we're going to do an overview. But you are right. Like homeschooling was it wasn't around yeah. until like they started to really. There was a, a group of grassroots people who got together and started organizing um, and got homeschooling laws passed. Yeah. Apparently they were trying really hard to get the Supreme Court to rule on a case, a homeschooling case, once and for all that would give it some sort of constitutional or federal protection that may lead to like a federal law or mandate, but they haven't gotten to that point. Instead, it's just been state by state, which is fine. Very few kids go to school intrastate, right? Yeah. Um. Or interstate, I should say. But- There's no federal legislation. It's like you say, all the states have different laws. They all have homeschooling or allow for homeschooling, which is pretty amazing in and of itself, considering in 1970 it was illegal. Yeah. And hold on. Let me say one more thing too, Chuck. There is an article out there called A 500-Year Moment. Yeah. It's on a new magazine called Muria, M-O-O-R-I-A. And the article was written by a guy named Dougald Hine, <laughs> who is an awesome thinker who I believe is Scottish. Yeah. I've only seen him online. Um, but this is an amazing – best article I've read in years as far as content goes. Yeah. But one of the things he touches on is compulsory education and the history of it and how it was used – to basically turn children into responsible, uh, unquestioning little drones. Yeah. And this is what originally gave birth to the homeschool movement.
2: Yeah. Like, the, I want to be more in control of how my child, how and what my child gets educated with. Exactly. Because that's
0: what free public education does. It indoctrinates your children. And it, for some people, it's like, great, this is free daycare because I work, my husband works. Or it's just me and uh, I work and I've got to have a place for my kids. And sure. if they're learning along the way, awesome. So there, there is something that, that free public education gives to people. But a lot of people said, I, I want to, I want a bear, a better hand in that because you don't really have much say in what your kids are taught in public school.
2: Yeah. There are, uh, polls conducted and generally, um, states like to keep track of why you are homeschooling so they can, theoretically, I guess, get better at their public schooling. Uh-huh. So when you, in most states, when you apply to homeschool, you you have to give a reason. And um, this study was actually from a while ago, but I saw a recent one that the numbers are pretty close. So I think the reasons are fairly consistent. About 30% or so say uh, it's out of concern about the environment of the school. Right. Uh, about 30% are for religious or moral uh, reasons, so they could, you know, a lot of... You know, a lot of Christians are up in arms about the secularization of schooling over the years. Yeah. And they want to be able to teach their kids um, stuff from the Bible and stuff, you know, regular like curriculum. Yeah. Uh, and then about 16 percent uh, because they're dissatisfied, basically dissatisfied with the instruction and uh, either the curriculum or the, the teaching. Right. Like, I, I don't think they're getting a good enough education. Essentially.
0: Right. If I put my kid through this meat grinder, I don't think they're going to come out as smart as I want them to be. So I'm going to teach them myself.
2: Yeah. And this is not an indictment of teachers or public schools because, <laughs> boy, we know how hard you people work and how what you're up against.
0: Yes. But I went to public school and I just used the word myself. <laughs> yeah, but
2: you're a big shot podcaster. Yeah, that's true. Uh, a couple of sort of not-so-fun things up front about taxes, because I started wondering, if you're homeschooling your kid, A, do you get tax breaks because you're buying this stuff, yeah. the curriculum, and B, do you have to pay taxes, education taxes, for your kid that's not going to public school? So
0: Since there's no federal re- law or requirement or mandate or anything regarding homeschooling, I would guess you have zero tax break on the federal level, but probably on the state level in some states you would, right?
2: Boom. Federal government doesn't offer anything right now. Uh, some states, I think Illinois, Louisiana, and Minnesota, offer tax credits. You can write off a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in Louisiana specifically applies to 50% of eligible expenses during a year, up to five thousand dollars per kid. Oh, that's,
0: that's a nice break. Yeah, it's not too bad. Well, plus also, you remember there was this huge movement to get, um, tuition vouchers given to kids to yeah. go to private school, like totally. lower income kids, mm-hmm. to get more of a, a mixture of people in private schools. Yeah. So apparently in some states you can take that voucher and just use it to fund your homeschool. Yeah. Um, so that's actually opening up the homeschooling door for a lot of people who, uh, didn't have that, uh, that opportunity before they just couldn't afford it one way or another.
2: Yeah. And things are changing every year. So it's, I mean, this will be out of date a year from now. Yeah. Um, I know Ohio had it on the docket to consider, uh, they were voting, I think, to decrease property taxes if you were a homeschool home, but I couldn't find, sometimes it's fine It's hard to find where these Senate bills, sometimes they just seem to disappear. Yeah. Which I th- that means they haven't been voted on, I guess.
0: No, I think that the people like really, the senators really rally behind them around election time and then they uh, get reelected and they're like, yeah, I got,
2: I have kickbacks to go get. <laughs> I can't uh, be bothered with this stuff. <laughs> that's disappointing. And then California is one of 12 states where homeschooling is, um, considered, uh, a private school exemption. So you're sort of your own private school in the state of California.
0: You don't pay property taxes or anything like that?
2: Uh, I'm not sure about that for taxes, but they basically, Consider you part of the private school pool. Well, that twelve states that taxing though too is a a
0: real reason. There's a big there's a tug of war between homeschool people and public school administrators Mm -hmm. because for every pupil you have in your school, you get X number of federal dollars. Oh yeah, and you start to lose kids to homeschool then you're losing federal funding and your whole school suffers because it's not like that money covers that kid down to the penny. Yeah. It frequently goes over and you can use that for the school and for all this other stuff. So um, there's a – I don't want to call it a vicious cycle because it's not like um, – that's a pretty good term for it actually. <laughs> the, the public schools are perceived as failing in their mission, so they lose students. And by losing students to homeschooling, they lose funding, and so they are doomed to fail even further yeah. in their mission. So, that yeah, that's a pretty vicious cycle now that I think about it.
2: Yeah, but they um, the, the real truth is there aren't that many kids that are homeschooled still. Um, no, about it's like three. Three-something? Is that what you got?
0: Yeah, I saw a, a more recent one.
2: I got anywhere from 1.7 to 2-point-something. Oh, I
0: thought you were going to say percentage. Yeah, I saw 1.77 million.
2: yeah but i've like heard it could
0: be 3% of the overall school sure. age population.
2: Yeah, but i've heard those numbers could be higher as much as double just because um it's, i guess it's not counted it's a, it's a tough thing to count. Well, yeah, an aggregator or maybe no one cares enough to do so. Or
0: school districts have uh, a lot of reason to fudge numbers on the lower end.
2: Yeah. It's true. But that's up about 20% from just like seven or eight years ago. Well,
0: that's actually double from 15 years ago. Yeah. So there's a very steady increase. And I think the reason that it's increasing, I mean, doubling over 15 years is pretty significant. What's it going to be like in 50 years? Right. Uh, And I think the reason that it's just picking up steam and it's spreading more and more is because the more people that have done it, because the people who originally started homeschooling had to figure all of this out on their own. And there were very few... Uh, homeschool textbooks available, very few resources, very few websites, very oh, few yeah. groups. So the more people that tried it and were successful and, and built momentum, now homeschooling is not some scary, weird thing yeah. that parents who only let their kids watch PBS sure. uh, do. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a viable uh, option for a parent who is considering where they want to send their kid to school.
2: Yeah. My brother and his wife homeschooled their kids for a couple of years. Yeah. How did it go? It went great. Uh, because it's my brother, he built a full-on classroom. Oh, in his I'm house. Not quite sure <laughs> it was awesome. And um, you know, you well, we'll get into it. But it's it's something that you should treat like that. Yeah. Um, and they eventually went back to public school because they wanted the kids wanted to. Yeah. But um, it was you know it was great for a couple of years. I think for for everyone involved. So let's let's dig into this, Chuck. Like, what are the considerations? I mean, this
0: isn't something like you just hit upon it. This isn't something you take lightly.
2: No, not at all. So, Chuck,
0: let's dig into it and figure out what the considerations are, because you just hit upon it. This isn't something to take lightly. We'll do that right after this. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go, because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments, where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice.
2: That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey, everybody.
0: It's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website, whether it's an online course or custom merch. with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code stuff to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.
2: You're right, Josh. As you said before the break, it is not something to take lightly. Uh-huh. Uh, you want to do a lot of research beforehand and ask a lot of tough questions of yourself, of your child and uh maybe get some good books uh, there are a few recommendations here in this article uh real life homeschooling by Rhonda Barfield uh it tells a lot of stories about homeschooling families which can help yeah uh homeschooling for success by Rebecca Cockendorfer and Elizabeth Khanna is another one going to uh, check out and the homeschooling almanac by Mary and Michael Leppert. right and there are scores and scores of more books yeah but read some of those start thinking about it can you afford it is the first question.
0: Well, the first question, I think, is, is why?
2: Well, yeah, good point. Why do you
0: want to do this? Yeah. And Catherine Neer, who wrote this article, How Homeschooling Works, says, be as explicit as you can be. So use a lot of curse words in your answer to yourself. <laughs> but you, you have to wonder why. And that's probably a pretty easy question for most parents who are considering homeschooling sure. to answer.
2: Yeah, you probably got that reason already in your head. Right,
0: but if if it, if your answer is like, Because I don't want to let my child out of my sight ever for the rest of his life. That's not a good idea. Maybe you should talk to some other people about that idea and see if they can talk you out of homeschooling. Yeah,
2: that's a good point. Um, The next question that I alluded to is, can you afford it? Because uh, there's a couple of expenses. One are all the things that you need to buy to support the education. All those field trips, too? Those aren't cheap? Sure. All that stuff costs money. Um, And the other one is... Depending on your situation in your house, you may be dropping a salary if you're not going to take a job yeah. as, uh, as a spouse to homeschool your kids.
0: Yeah, that's in economics called an opportunity cost, and yeah. that is a big one for a lot of people. That's what's prohibited a lot of people from being able to go to homeschool their kid. Like, they just can't afford it. Sure. So that's why those tuition vouchers have come into play and helped a lot more people be homeschool teachers because you can use that.
2: Yeah, um, that's not to say, I mean, with today's modern uh, work trends like telecommuting, uh, working from home, creative scheduling, you can tag team it with the parents or, you you know, you can work it out where right. you both still have an income and you can homeschool. But when you traditionally think of homeschooling, you think of like one of the parents isn't going to work and they're going to be the teacher.
0: Right. Um Another option for you, too, is uh, to have grandparents do it. Yumi's, uh, boss. Ah, never thought about that. Yumi's boss's daughter is just sharp as a tack. Uh-huh. She's homeschooled by her grandparents. That's cool. So yeah, they're responsible for her education and they're apparently doing like a bang up
2: job with it. I bet that's a very patient teacher too. The grandparent, yeah. Yeah, that's would probably guess. a good scene.
0: Yeah. But, but the, the point is with the grandparent, they're already retired. They already have income. Yeah. And if you have money from your job, you can kick them a little
2: bit too. Yeah. So everybody wins. Yeah. Plus you're not doing that parent thing where you're just trying to like a little, make a little mini version of yourself. Yeah. That narcissistic like, oh, here, wear this Ramon shirt and, um, I'm going <laughs> to give you a mohawk and an earring at seven. <laughs> Man. Grandparents don't care about that. They just want the best for you. They're mellow. They're mellow. All right. The next question is, are you qualified, um, to teach? Just cause you have a college degree or a high school degree doesn't mean you're going to be a good teacher.
0: Right. And and the whole concept of homeschooling too, I think, kind of comes out of the sense that you are qualified because kids, not every kid, but a lot of kids, are homeschooled in some way, shape, or form. Sure, where they learn uh, to read or recognize words or how to run or walk or crawl or all the stuff they learn before they have to go to school. Yeah, um, that's, you want that
2: head start, you know, these days.
0: Right, but even even without a head start, even just basically being there, absorbing. The information that you get from a family and from being around family members, yeah. that that is a form of homeschooling. And a lot of people think like, hey, we're on a roll with this stuff. Let's keep it going. And I'll be this kid's teacher.
2: Yeah. That's something to think about for sure. Um, you want to think about your kid and talk to your child. Like, do you want to be homeschooled? What do you think about it? Uh, they may be ready. They may be not uh, ready. You want to. I wouldn't say treat them like adults, but treat them as if they have their own opinion because they do. Right. You know? Nice. Uh, it's probably not something you want to force on your kid if they really, really want to go to a public school. Uh, of course, uh, you know, everyone's going to make their own decision about their children. i can not going to tell you how to parent. But I think it's a good idea to have a good, open, honest uh, line of dialogue with your kid about homeschooling first. Yeah. And,
0: I mean, if your kid is just dug in like, I do not want to spend all day every day with you. Yeah. Like, it's not going to work. Yeah. It, you should consider that answer.
2: Yeah. And it doesn't, it's not, doesn't have to be the final word either. You can, like my brother, they did it for a couple of years. Right. And, uh, you can try it and see if it works. And it's not like the public school's going to say, nope. Sorry. You not had coming your, back. you had your chance. <laughs> Smarty. You left us. You abandoned us. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that'd be weird. The principal just got his arms crossed at the locked front door. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's how local government works.
2: <laughs> so let's say everybody's
0: on board, Chuck.
2: Everyone's on board. Um, you gotta get in touch with your state and find out exactly what the rules are to do this legally and correctly.
0: Right. And Catherine Near says, don't just look at synopses of laws. Go to your state's education website yeah. and find out the laws. <laughs> and she uses these, um, these, she uses North Carolina as an example. So for example, in North Carolina, you would have to, you file a notice of intent, mm-hmm. which basically says, hey, you don't need to worry about my kid. I got, I got my kid covered.
2: Yeah. And why?
0: Right. You would, yeah. Why? Um, am I doing this for religious reasons? Am I doing it because the bullies are really bad at the local school? Whatever. And that would also be your claim for whether you were a religious school or just an independent non-public school. Right. Um, you in North Carolina have to have at least a diploma or GED from high school level to be a qualified homeschool teacher.
2: Yeah, that's probably a pretty good idea.
0: Whatever. North Carolina is obviously a nanny state. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you need to keep track of attendance. You also need to do immunizations, which I was kind of surprised by.
2: Yeah. I don't know if that's still accurate in North Carolina. It is. Or I not. looked it up.
0: Oh, is it? Yeah. The only one that's not on here is annual uh, standardized
2: testing. Well, this is North Carolina because that's where Catherine lives, right? And that's the only state's
0: website that they're allowed access to. <laughs>
2: um, but like we said, every state is going to be different, as, as according to like um, whether or not you have to pass standardized tests, whether or not uh, how many "quote unquote" vacation or holidays are allowed uh, during the calendar year. What months of the year you were required to be in school?
0: Well, some states. There's 11 states out there that are like you don't have to tell us anything. Just do what you want. You don't even need to tell us you're homeschooling your
2: kid. That's that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, you know. Um, those are there's 11. There's two or three that um, one of the homeschool associations call say is. Um, like highly regulated yeah like new york like we'll have people come visit your house to make sure yeah you're doing things right sure um and then most other states fall in between gotcha where it's kind of like yeah you have to tell us what you're doing but um other than that it's your it's your show
2: yeah and th- this might inform your decision on whether or not uh, you want to follow through on it too depending on what how lax your state is yeah. well, i mean lax but how permissive i guess or whether or not uh, they have like a lot of rigid standards that you're trying to get away from in the first place, sure, like standardized testing, which a the whole different move. can of worms.
0: Yeah. Uh, so if, if you've got this figured out, like I think if you're if you're thinking you can homeschool your kid, you can probably navigate your state's regulations.
2: Yeah, if you can't, or let's say the other way, if you can't do that, you probably shouldn't homeschool your I kid. I think
0: that's a good point, Chuck. Yeah. So you've reached this point where you're like, okay, my kid's excited. Um, we've chosen our school mascot. Uh, we've gone over the state's website together. We've agreed, yes, now you have to get it immunized, whether you like it or not, because we're doing a homeschool yeah. in North Carolina. Um, what what teaching method should we use? And this is a pretty big, it's a big decision but it's also one that is not a final decision, like the, even the decision to homeschool. It's, it yes. can change and evolve. And apparently with most people, it does.
2: Yeah. I, it's weird to say that, but I totally agree. I think it is the most important decision you can make. Mm-hmm. But don't freak out because it's not written in stone. Right. You can evolve your teaching method according to what works. Right. The traditional approach, Catherine points out, is when I just want to school my kid at home and I'll use the state's curriculum, I'll get all their books, and I'll kind of try and mimic what goes on at the public school in my home.
0: Right. Or I'll get all of my sources from Oral Roberts University's curriculum or whatever. Yeah. But it's it's like I imagine your brother's house was you walk into this special room and it looks like a classroom or at least all the stuff that's going on is what you'd find in a classroom, too.
2: Yeah, and, you know, you don't have to build out a special classroom if you don't have room. You can do it how, however it works for your family. Right. But I think they found just having that separate room mm-hmm. um, was beneficial for sure.
0: Well, yeah, there's fewer distractions, I would guess. Yeah. And it's just the psychology behind it is, like, when you're in this room, you're learning. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is what this place is for.
2: Yeah. Um, classical education, if you want to talk about the three uh, principles known as the trivium, or the three phases... Um, you have the grammar school age students, which um, they focus on memorization, gathering facts, mm-hmm. uh, the logic, which is middle age students. And that is when you start to focus more on critical thinking. Middle school aged. What'd I say?
0: Middle aged. <laughs> Those are called non-traditional
2: students. <laughs> I watched back to school the other day, by the way.
0: <laughs> that's a, that's a good. Movie. It was so
2: great, man. I, haven't I seen wouldn't it in believe so long. you if you said it didn't hold up. It totally holds up. Of course it does. It's very funny. Um, and the triple windy? Oh, yeah. It <laughs> was still so funny to me. Um All right, middle school aged, Yeah, and that is when you're concentrating more on critical thinking and you're putting all this stuff into context. And then the final stage is rhetoric, Um which sounds like a bad word these days because you think of rhetoric as just a bunch of gobbledygook, someone spouting off. Some gas bag. Yeah, but that's not what rhetoric is. Don't it's, know what he's talking about <laughs> even. These are high school age, and that's when they can actually articulate... um a, a language-focused discussion about uh, topics in education. And,
0: yeah. Yeah. The whole thing behind classical education is that it's language-focused and language-oriented. Yeah. And um, it, it, all this probably sounds pretty familiar to you. If so, it's because it has its roots in the Middle Ages. Not Middle aged students, but the Middle Ages. <laughs> yes. Um So it's been around for a little while, and a lot of people opt for that one. There's a lot of course material out there based on classical education, uh, what else,
2: Chuck? Uh, well, you have Montessori, which um is a type of schooling based on this really awesome, awesome Italian physician uh named Maria Montessori, <laughs> and um she basically was like, someone needs to make a movie about her. She was so awesome. Yeah, she was basically like, I'm looking around and I think this stinks. And this was the early 1900s. This wasn't like you know in the 1970s when some hippie lady. And she was saying, the way we're teaching our kids is wrong. Yeah. And so she started doing things like, you know what, get up, get this heavy furniture out of here. Let's put some kids' furniture in here that they can move around. Right. That's like child size. Let's lower the bookshelves to where the kids can access this stuff. Let's uh, teach kids how to care for pets and uh, gymnastics and how to cook. And let's put these big open-air sections where they can move about freely if they want to. Mm-hmm. And really just sort of opened up... Um, Really revolutionized education in you know early 1900s Italy.
0: Nice. Um, There was another, I guess, turn of the century educator. She was British though. Her name was Charlotte Mason. She came up with her own method that I think is kind of clever in a way. Charles Manson? Yeah, he came up with his education (laughs) idea. Oh, Charlotte Mason. Charlotte Mason. She said, um, just teach your kid a bunch of stuff, and I'm not exactly clear on how. Like it's taught maybe in a, a normal structured environment. Yeah. But also teach them fine arts and a bunch of other stuff that most schools just kind of are getting rid of these days. the The thing that makes her so revolutionary is like you don't use testing. I love this. Instead, you use what's called narration, where you yeah. say, "Okay, kid." I've taught you everything that uh, I know about whales. Mm-hmm. Stand up and tell me about whales. Yeah. And the kid narrates everything he or she knows about whales
2: and not not I did my book report on whales. Whales live in the ocean and exactly. the salt water and they are large and blue. Right. Because like,
0: I guess you probably wouldn't be able to have notes because you're not really narrating.
2: Yeah, they have to understand it in order to talk about it. Exactly. That's the whole key is that yeah. to
0: narrate something, uh, you have to understand something. Of course, you could be like a complete BS artist, which is kind of awesome in and of itself. That <laughs> I means your kid has got some skills. Right. And another... Uh... Those are creative skills. Yeah. But uh, Charlotte Mason's point was if your kid can stand up and tell you about whales in a smart, intelligent way, then your kid has learned about whales.
2: Yeah, that seems like a pretty cool notion, if you ask me.
0: And the next one is my
2: all-time favorite. The Waldorf method? Oh, no, sorry. The second to next one. Oh, okay. You were thinking the Waldorf salad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which, man, those are weird. Isn't that the one with grapes and stuff? Grapes and, like, apples, but also mayonnaise Grapes oh, and right, is yeah. not a winning combination.
2: <laughs> yeah. uh, someone wrote in with that cotton candy grapes. Did you see that? No. She said that they had them at Whole Foods, and they are grapes that taste like cotton candy. Weird. Isn't that crazy? Those are called mutants. Um, the Waldorf Method is based on Austrian scientist uh, Rudolf Steiner, and he has the concept of educating the whole child, um, basically concentrates on creative topics, and... Um, Fine arts, painting, music, drama, foreign language, gardening, sewing, things that you are, like you said, are kind of going by the wayside in a lot of public schools these days, yeah. sadly.
0: But then you build upon these things based on the kid's age that yeah. determines what the kid's studying at any given point. In time. Yeah,
2: so if you've ever heard the head, heart, and hands method, that is the Waldorf method.
0: Um. So here's my favorite one, the unit studies method. Oh, yeah. I like this one. That's, I thought it was kind of cool. It's a little vanilla, but it, uh, it makes sense to me. Basically, you choose a topic or a theme, and you stretch it out over, say, like a week or a month or a semester or whatever, uh-huh. and the theme is, say, um, by pirates. Okay. And then you use pirates to investigate, or you investigate every aspect of pirates using math, science, history, um, documentaries. Uh, projects like all visits to an, uh, like a pirate ship if you're in the San Diego area, all that kind of stuff.
2: So sort of finding the individual lessons within a topic. Yes. Like you can teach economics through talking about pirates. Exactly. Or history. Yes. Or like all those things you were mentioning. Yes. Yeah. And
0: so in the end, you, you fully get pirates, but you also get a really good, gr- g- good understanding of how Everything has all these different aspects and components to it yeah. that f- come together and form it, form a whole. It's our, like, trade.
2: Yes. Yeah, it's, it's what, what you and I do. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we
0: take that whole and break it apart. I think that's why it that appeals to me so much. Yeah,
2: I was right there with you on that one. Uh, then you have unschooling, which, uh, they call child-directed learning or natural learning. And this is, mm-hmm. I was originally used by author John Holt, and this just sounds like kind of, Crazy way. Not crazy way, but basically let your child uh, learn how to manage their time and run the show. Yeah. Which is really super interesting.
0: He was one of the early homeschool um, activists. Oh, was he? That was like agitating in the early 70s.
2: Agitating? Uh-huh. So um, you, your kid is still learning and you are still teaching and guiding but um, they interviewed um, Catherine. I don't know where she got this quote, but one of the unschooled students has a really great uh, quote. I'm planning what I do, so I have an overwhelming sense of commitment to what I'm doing. Instead of being told what to do and when to do it and simply being shuttled back and forth from activity to activity, I get to choose. So your kid is learning planning and logistics mm-hmm. and scheduling. And uh, this seems like a really good real-world way of teaching.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. You know? I think – I would guess everybody would choose this. The problem is, is a fear that accompanies this of like, what if your kids committed to like eating Cap'n Crunch and Xbox. doing jack all day? <laughs> yeah. What do you do with that?
2: You know. Well, then they're not a good candidate for unschooling.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a great point. You know. Great point.
2: Like, I think you only do this if your child is a good candidate, and that way your kids like, you know, what I want to do science experiments all day. Right. Or, I just want to go to the library and read today. Yeah. Then. Go for it. But part of the
0: key to unschooling is the kid isn't like, so take me. It's and I noticed that you have a a, a slot in your schedule where yeah. you could take me to the library and then you could pick me up 2 hours later. Uh let's work this out. And then you go, "Hey, don't get smart with me." <laughs> right? Don't point at your imaginary watch. You're not wearing a watch. Can't even read time yet, kid. How do you know when I have yoga? <laughs> Cuz it's on the fridge. <laughs> I would uh, imagine you'd have to have a family schedule of stuff on yeah. the fridge for unschooling.
2: Yeah, I think that's pretty smart anyway.
0: And then after that, Chuck, you have to figure out what kind of learner your kid is.
2: Yeah, well, you, there's also the eclectic method, oh, which yeah, we didn't right. mention. And that is just sort of a, a cornucopia of all these different methods um, kind of cobbled together. I guess that's the best way, best way to say it, right?
0: Yeah, and apparently most parents who are new to homeschooling start off their kid... With a much more rigid structure, uh, uh method. Mm-hmm. And then apparently by like year three, it's much loosey goosey. Yeah. Much more loosey goosey. Um, or laid back, I guess is a better term for it. Sure. And, but it's not necessarily just unschooling or just this. It's probably along the lines of the eclectic method. Yeah,
2: that makes sense. And like uh, we said, you're not locked into any of these. You gotta right. find out what works for your kid. And a good way to start is before you start, um, Figure out what kind of learner your child is and what kind of learner and teacher you are, maybe. Yep. You want
0: to figure out, apparently, if your kid is one of the four, there's four modalities, I guess, is what it's called, of learning. Yeah. Um, there's visual, auditory, tactile, and kinesthetic. And visual learners basically like you see things and you get it. Whether it's a pie chart or a drawing or a photo or something like that, you see things. You learn through seeing. Yeah, so that's that's visual learning style, and that's pretty common.
2: Yeah, auditory obviously is going to be listening and speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's akin to the Charlotte uh, Mason method. Yeah, um, tactile has to deal with touch.
0: It does, and I was wondering which one would have to do with like writing stuff down because that's how I. Remember stuff sure. and how I get it in my head is through writing or typing it out. And apparently that falls under tactile. Oh, yeah. Doodling too. People who doodle are tactile learners.
2: I think I'm a much more visual learner.
0: Yeah, I get it when I see it too, but it yeah. doesn't, I don't get it until I write it myself.
2: Actually, I'm a combination between visual and kinesthetic because kinesthetic is, um, really being involved. Like, mm-hmm. uh, she's the example of a sailboat. If you want to teach a kid about sailboats, mm-hmm. take them sailing.
0: I know. To to research for this episode, you went and sat in on a, po- a homeschool class for a couple of weeks.
2: <laughs> I did not. I that's have, that's
0: the method, isn't it?
2: Oh, in acting, yeah,
0: it'd be method podcasting. I think so.
2: Yeah. Uh, if you have uh, once you figure out what kind of learner your child is, though, um, you're going to have a good. Uh, and those aren't the only teaching methods that we mentioned, but those are some of the leading teaching methods right. for homeschooling. Yeah. But you're going to have a good head start on figuring out a good place to start, and then just observe, go from there, and do the, the eyeball test, as they say, and if things seem to be working, then great.
0: So there's one huge, huge thing that's still outstanding, Chuck, and that is that a lot of people worry that if you take your kid out of school, even a crummy school, but that standard course that a school provides, then they're going to have a harder time getting into college. And yeah. Most homeschool resource places say, no, if anything, your homeschool kid is going to have an easier time getting into college because it'll be more well-rounded, yeah. probably smarter. Um, homeschool kids tend to excel more at academics and other stuff. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't find any quantitative evidence on that, like that homeschool kids get into college more easily than non-homeschool kids. I couldn't find anything like that. It was all anecdotal.
2: Yeah. I don't know about actually getting into college. Um but as a parent um, and a homeschooler, you need to keep really good track of their scores and records um, if they did any. And this is a benefit of homeschooling. If they mm-hmm. do any, like, apprenticeships. Right. All of that stuff is going to help because um, that's what's going to take the place of, like, being in the beta club or whatever. Is it called the beta club? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like those school activities that supposedly look good on college transcripts. I don't even know if that's true, by the way. Well,
0: there's a lot of homeschool groups that form so that they can do things like have a beta club or yeah. have debate club or have field a sports trips. team mm-hmm. go on field trips. Yeah. Um, so there are, there are like, if you do homeschooling, it doesn't mean like you can't do any of that. You're just not doing it with your school.
2: The other elephant in the room is concern over uh, socialization.
0: Yeah. Is your kid going to be weird if you homeschool?
2: Yeah. And all the, the evidence and the research that I saw points to, No, no, no. Your kid is not going to be weird and they're probably going to be better for the real world because they aren't, um, they aren't, like, like you said, trapped in a school of peers constantly worried about what their peers think and being judged or trying to fit in. Yeah. Uh, they're kind of doing their own thing. Um, this great article, and of course this is from a homeschool advocate, so it's pretty one-sided, but, (laughs) um, it's called socialization colon homeschoolers are in the real world. And uh, it was by Chris Clicka, and his his notion basically is that your kid is already in the real world. They're not going to be, you know, shuttle off the college and be like, "What in the world's going on?" I'm going to go hog wild and crazy. Who are these people? <laughs> exactly. Uh, they say that they <laughs> overcome this potential for isolation by being on these, and um, like in the YMCA or the Boy Scouts yeah. or Girl Scouts, uh, singing groups, Little League. Basically, there are all kinds of ways to socialize your kid outside of a school that parents in schools do too they probably just don't think about yeah i mean it doesn't have to be in a classroom
0: no and it's entirely possible that we take the damage that's done by um elementary and grammar school and high schooling uh as for granted like that that you have to be damaged as a result and you don't necessarily and you can isolate your kid from that kind of stuff and Maybe they'll turn out better than they would have if you had through, put them through regular school.
2: Yeah, it seems like research indicates that, uh, self-esteem, um, what they call self-concept and self-esteem of a homeschooled child is higher. Yeah. They generally score higher on, on tests. Um, this one guy, uh, what's his name? Smedley. Thomas Smedley. Uh, he did a thesis, a master's thesis, and he had a pretty cool quote. Uh, he said, in public school systems, children are socialized horizontally. And temporarily Mm. into conformity with their immediate peers, home educators seek to socialize their children vertically toward responsibility and service and adulthood, with an eye on eternity. That's awesome. Pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and all of this is just intuitive. You know, the idea that if you have that much more attention and your education is is tailored to you, the individual, uh, how can you not benefit and excel?
2: Yeah, well, we have a list of people here that have excelled, that were homeschooled. People like Irving Berlin, Ansel Adams, Hmm. Da Vinci, Agatha Christie, Einstein. Does Da Vinci count? Nah. Okay. (laughs) Peter Jennings, C.S. Lewis, Abraham Lincoln. Well, Abraham Lincoln was backwoods, so I don't know if that counts. (laughs) That's homeschooling. I mean, that was the origin of homeschooling. Yeah. Benjamin Franklin, Agatha Christie, oh, I said Agatha Christie, Uh, Thomas Edison, and, um, our colleague, From Stuff Mom Never Told You, Kristen Conger was homeschooled, and you're in for a treat. Because right after this message break, we're going to get Kongs in here, and we're going to talk to her.
0: All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments, where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. You know, true love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another. And every time after that, it's taking long walks together in the summer or gazing longingly into each other's eyes and watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard.
2: Well, the pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. Uh, As everyone knows from listening to this show, we have pulled all of our dogs off the street that Emily and I have had over the years, either right off the street or through a local shelter and working with them, and they've all become valued family members, and we think they've appreciated it too.
0: Yeah, Chuck, there is a pedigree loyalty survey that found that 90% of first-time dog owners report having a dog improved at least one of their relationships, and 80% of first-time dog owners are overwhelmingly more likely to have made at least one new connection as a result of getting a dog. And 95% of all dog owners say that the bond they have with their dogs is closer than they ever expected. Not a big surprise.
2: That's true. We all know that adopting a dog can lead to a lifetime meaningful connection and real love can exist between a pet and a pet parent. You got that straight. Pedigree is committed to helping more dogs find loving homes. Opening your home to a dog can help open your heart. And Love at First Sight is closer than you think because it's available at your local dog shelter.
0: Yeah, Very important point. You can find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive from June 7th to June 9th. And the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide.
2: That's right. So just visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. Okay, we're back and we have... Third person in the studio, stuff mom never told you. Is Kristen Conger.
1: Hey guys, thank you for Yay. joining us. Thanks for having me.
2: Uh, so we were doing this show on homeschooling, and obviously, Obvi, you came to mind because you were homeschooled.
1: Yeah, I was homeschooled from second through eighth grade.
2: Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, well, just give us a little background. We kind of want to know um, why you guys made the decision. Who taught you? And just sort of how it went down, what methods you guys, methodology you guys used. Yeah.
1: Okay. So in terms of the why, we were a little bit of the hyper-religious family who wanted a little bit of sheltering from secular education. Okay. So there's that. We kind of fit that homeschool stereotype, which still persists today. Mm -hmm. Sure. But there was also a desire on my parents' part to provide a higher quality education than they thought we would get in public schools because my mom at the time was teaching in public schools. Oh. And she did not like what she saw and she was like, I can do better. She at said home. we stink. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, I I am doing a terrible job. So I will try this on my on my children. Yeah,
2: I want to focus that on you. Uh so your mom was a public school teacher. What grade did she teach?
1: She taught high school. Okay. Yeah. Um and did she quit her
2: job to teach homeschool to you?
1: So my mom stayed at home with my siblings and me full time for the first two or three years. And then she actually went back to work teaching once we were a little bit older and had the hang of things, which might sound wildly irresponsible. But we stayed on task easily and she had assignments for us every day. And since she taught, she got home from work by the early afternoon anyway. So it was minimal lack of supervision, but my siblings and I were so Mm well-behaved and she was so good at organizing and leaving us tasks to do that we would just kind of do our schoolwork while she was gone. No way.
2: Wow. Yeah. That is awesome.
1: I don't know if that was legal,
0: (laughs) but... Who cares? Did she chain you to anything while she was gone? (laughs) She didn't need to,
1: Josh. That's the thing. I was just that good of a child and I loved reading.
2: Were you the oldest
1: Youngest. Oh, the youngest, okay. Yeah. So.
2: Brothers, you have a brother, right? I've
1: got brothers and sisters. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, one thing I've I've been trying to figure out, we've been talking about homeschooling. This is the end of the episode. Um, there don't seem to be any drawbacks to it. Like, was there anything negative about homeschooling that you encountered in your experience, or was it all just good?
1: For the most part, it was really great. Um I think it worked well for our family. It worked really well because my mom knew what she was doing. We yeah. had formal textbooks. She like formally taught us. And even though I probably made it sound like she just let us run wild all day, we would sit down every day and do schoolwork one-on-one with her to check over tests and work and stuff so like that. So she
2: kind of used the method where you basically take the school's curriculum and just try and replicate it out of the school. What's that called? Structure?
0: The structured homeschooling or school at home?
1: Yeah. I mean, she she hand-selected all of our curriculum and put together lesson plans for all of us. So it was even more intensive than something like that. But she had the background to be able to do that. And as far as drawbacks go, probably the biggest one was just the socialization factor.
0: So that is a thing.
2: Yeah, we talked about that. And I saw a lot of research that says like... That's sort of a non-issue these days. There are so many ways to socialize your kids outside of a classroom, and we you may be doing your kid a favor by not having them in a classroom. But
0: these were written by homeschool yeah. advocates. <laughs> true.
1: Well, there were absolutely social outlets that we had during homeschool. For instance, I played on a soccer team. I mm-hmm. took ballet. Uh, we went to church, so we had youth group activities and things like that. Um, and especially in... Elementary school and middle school, I don't think that I really missed out that much socially. Right. Um, when I started high school in what we called regular school, <laughs> much to my mother's chagrin, um, there was a little bit of a transition simply of having to deal with kids, peers, day in and yes. day out in a more intense way than I ever had before. Right. And there are still some socialization factors I think I'm trying to figure out at almost 30. Oh, really? No, I mean, I I, I joke, but sort of. Sure. I mean, um on the one hand, I'm really grateful that I did not have to go through middle school because everyone I know who went to middle school, that sounded like a horrific and mm-hmm. confusing time to be in yeah. school. But um there were some humps here and there because my concept of school and social life and getting along and even high school dating and all of that was largely just based on TV and movies. Uh. So
2: (laughs) so the Brady Bunch method?
1: (laughs) I had a few missteps.
2: Yeah. Interesting. Well, why did you eventually go back to school? How did that all work?
1: Well, there was a decision on my parents' part, largely because I was the youngest in my family. So by that time, I was the last one at home. It would have just been me by myself. And they could kind of tell that I was sort of jostling for a -hmm. little bit more. So
2: Plus, your mom was done. She's just done. She
1: was so tired of me, Josh. She was (laughs) like, I've had it with you. Not really, my mom. So,
2: So you were the last kid, so it was basically just kind of felt like the right time? Yeah. So did your older siblings graduate
0: from high school through your mom's homeschooling?
1: Two of my siblings graduated homeschool. So that was a little bit of a sticking point when I got to go to real high school. Oh, they yeah. were
2: jealous of oh, huh? Yeah,
1: maybe a little maybe a little bit. So I was that
2: to a, the, I got to get a spring break. I got prom. My older my older, te- uh, my older uh, sister and brother didn't.
0: But I mean, is that the dream of all homeschool kids to go to regular school? Or is it like when you're in homeschool you're you're kind of like uh, I have it way better than my peers in high school?
1: Well, first of all, I don't want to speak on behalf of all homeschoolers. Uh but I get the sense, especially from what you guys are talking about in terms of homeschool today, I don't think there's as much of that longing for, quote-unquote, regular school mm-hmm. as maybe there used to be. Um,
0: what decade were you in th- homeschool?
1: In the 50s.
2: I was <laughs> like still young.
1: No, I would have been in the 90s. Okay. Um, so I think, for again, it has a lot to do with age, probably for elementary schoolers, middle schoolers, even who cares? Elementary school, homeschool was awesome. I could hang out on my PJs. I could go play in my (laughs) fort when I wanted to. It's like
2: work from home now.
1: Exactly. (laughs) I could do my math in the woods if I really wanted to. But I think once you get older, you just naturally want to start sort of finding your place outside of the home a little bit more.
2: What about your Siblings that graduated homeschool, what did they go to college and what was that process like?
1: They went to college, um, it was a little more challenging for them with, I think they had to take the ACT and the SAT and perhaps some SAT twos Ooh. because I <laughs> I did <too>. I <laughs> there did There are SAT twos and they are a bear. Um, but, People were a bit more skeptical of the quality of homeschooling back then. I don't know that it's mm-hmm. as stringent today. Yeah. But they both went to and graduated from college and are well-adjusted adults with families. Right. And one of them is actually a teacher now, which is kind of interesting. So, so cool.
0: speaking of families, if you had kids or if you do ever have kids, would you ever consider homeschooling them? Good no. question. No. no?
1: No. But that's largely because... You're lazy. I am... <laughs> horrendously lazy i've forgotten how to read (laughs) not true and uh i just would make a terrible teacher Hmm. i don't have the patience for it
0: would you ever hire your mom as a homeschool teacher for your kids
1: no because she'd want to be a full-time grandma
2: yeah gotcha well we did see that was one of the big questions that you should ask yourself like just because you're super smart and that mean you're a good teacher
1: yes yeah, I've, I've definitely seen some questionable homeschooling attempts on uh, parents who are clearly not qualified. And there are kids, too, I think, who benefit more from structured classroom environments who might, especially if they have perhaps a learning disability right. or something like that, who need more um, specialized attention.
2: Gotcha. I got nothing else. I don't either. That was super enlightening. Yeah, Kongs. thanks a
0: lot.
1: Hey, thank you.
0: Uh, and you can catch Kristen and her colleague, Carolyn, every week. What day does Stuff Mom Never Told You come out?
1: Mondays and Wednesdays.
0: On iTunes, on your site, what's the website?
1: StuffMomNeverToldYou.com.
0: Appropriately enough. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for joining us, Kristen.
1: Thanks again, Josh and Chuck.
0: Uh, and if you want to know more about homeschooling, you can type those words into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said search bar, it's time for the listener mail.
2: All right, Josh, I'm going to call this uh, Crop Circle email. Uh, Just listen to the Crop Circle podcast. I was particularly amused to hear you uh, take a romantic view on overhearing people conspiring to make Crop Circles in a rural English pub, because I am from Salisbury, Wiltshire, a mere 10 miles from Stonehenge. That's the epicenter. It is. Uh, One of my favorite pubs in Salisbury is called uh, Wyndham Arms. Uh, What's special is they have a very, very local crowd. Uh, Secondly, the pubs brew their own ale, one of which is called Crop Circle. Huh. Uh, if you let me know your shipping address, I will happily send you some bottles oh, of it. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Um, I was quite excited to hear you mention my home country, uh, home county, excuse me, of Wiltshire, and I thought I'd share a local legend. Uh, the collective nickname uh, people from here are Moonrakers. Um, now, once upon a time, long ago, there were a group of bootleggers making illicit booze somewhere in North Wiltshire. These guys were walking along the road and uh, with their wares. All of a sudden, here comes the custom officials Thinking quickly, they place the booze in a nearby pond. The custom officials uh, hear the racket, investigate, and they see these guys in the pond, ask what they're doing. The Wilshermen notice the reflection of the full moon in the pond and say to the officials that they were just trying to get this giant cheese out of the pond. <laughs> the officers supposedly looked at each other and said, hey, look at these stupid yokels. That's no cheese. They're trying to rake the moon. So that's where Moonrakers came from. Is that where the James Bond title comes from? I don't think so. Uh. Uh, and that is from Chris uh, near Stonehenge. Thank you, Chris.
0: Nice. Thank you very much, Chris. We and appreciate it.
2: Yeah, we'll send you the address because I would love to drink that beer.
0: Oh, heck yes. I'll send you the address too. You'll get it at least two, three <laughs> times. Yes. Uh, if you want to send us some beer, we would love that. You can tweet to us for some weird reason about it to SYSKpodcast.com. Uh, you can join us on Facebook.com/slash stuff you should know. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com, and as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.